Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Something Old, Something New, Something Borrowed, Something Brewed. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Nick Lancaster, and joining me today is the Bens, collectively as they are known to me. Um, what up, fellas? Hello. Hi. Hi, Ben. So we're. Uh... <laughs> hey, Ben. <laughs> this is a this is a recurring theme. Um, <laughs> So we're we're doing a little something different today. Uh, we're not really doing like the normal episode format. Um, I don't know if you guys have like, have you guys gone outside and felt it? It's a little bit, it's a little bit chillier out. It's a little, a little colder, a little more crisp. Yeah, and uh, the leaves yeah, are know, changing. You know color. what that means, right? It's hoodie weather. It's super hoodie season. weather. Uh, and also in, well, I guess almost a month from now, it is that. That sacred of holidays, you you already know that all of the stuff is out at every single store. Uh, we're talking about Halloween. Halloween. This is a and spooky it's, episode. Uh, it's been a while since we've done a Halloween episode or a Halloween themed episode, and I figured, I don't Probably know, we were about we were a year, chatting. right? Probably. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know if we, I don't know if it was necessarily a Halloween themed episode. You know, I honestly don't remember. I don't think we did one. It was kind of it's kind of bummed me out. So just to make sure that we're actually doing a Halloween episode this year, uh, we were kind of chatting in our little group, and uh, we—I don't know how—I don't even know how we got to talking about Black Sabbath, but uh, it seemed to be a thing that all three of us were like, "Oh, yeah, let's talk about Black Sabbath." So uh, that's what we're here to do today for Halloween in a month. You know, as an aside, uh, Ben, you—you you mentioned it's hoodie weather. I, I wanted to name. My band in college, Hoodie Weather, but the keyboard player said it was too seasonal. (laughs) (laughs) We're actually only contractually allowed to tour after September 21st. Yeah. (laughs) And only until snow falls. It's too warm (laughs) in the summer for Hoodie Weather. (laughs) Yeah, I I guess you you have fall and spring, which are two of the best seasons, I would argue. I'd say they are the best I think fall is my top tier season. Oh, Me too. Yeah, we're united. We were. Uh, I was driving up north the other day, and be, like northern Michigan is is gorgeous already. But like driving down old one thirty one and seeing all the leaves changing on the trees is is super scenic. It was beautiful. Oh, for sure. One thirty one's great for color. <laughs> <laughs> Not great for driving, like any Michigan highway. Oh, it's so bad. And yeah, then it, no, it's, it's like. If you go far enough, it just stops, and then it goes down to 55, and it sucks. Oh, yeah. It like Is it like Big Rapids? <laughs> uh, it's a little north of that. It's like a little north of Cadillac, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, we went up to Traverse City, and like about maybe 20 minutes out of Traverse City, it was just like, freeway ends. 
Uh, but but uh, the reason we're we're joined today is to talk about Black Sabbath, <laughs> right? Um, like right. we said, Black Sabbath. Like we said, yes. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm just gonna open the floor. I don't really have uh, a, a, a format uh, to. I mean, we can, I guess we can talk about the history of the band a little bit. Um, I mean, the band is named after a scary movie, which is perfect for Halloween. Yeah, um, absolutely. There was uh, a film. In 1963, called Black Sabbath. Yeah, and Bor- I, I remember Boris Karloff was associated with it. Never seen the movie, but, uh, you know. So that was, like, the whole idea of the band Black Sabbath was to, like, make music to scare people. Like, they, throughout their, the, the I guess, I mean, we're talking about, like, the Ozzy era, right? Right, yeah, yeah, for sure. That's all I had, that's all I had planned to... to I, I know on. a couple songs from the Dio era. Like, I know, like, Mob Rules, but, like, uh, I, I'm not really super familiar with it. Most of the Dio stuff I'm familiar with is, like, from the band Dio or the band that he was right. in for it, so... Rainbow? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I would argue that the Dio stuff is actually worth listening to and is pretty good. It's just, it's very different. Yeah, I've turned it on. Like I've uh, I've put on Heaven and Hell to listen to once and like it sounded like pretty good. It's just like it didn't sound like Sabbath really. Yeah. It just kind of sounded like another I I don't know, like a some other good solid like 70s, like late 70s early 80s kind of metal band, right. I guess. Well, it's like they they replaced one like incredibly iconic unique sounding vocalist and replaced him with another incredibly iconic unique sounding vocalist so it's like if they're going for similar to what it was prior like there's no way that's going to happen because like Dio has his own sort of stuff like you hear Dio and you know that it's Dio same with yeah, Ozzy I mean Dio is like a I mean he, he was a absolutely brilliant like I think he was classically trained singer like he, he was that like a whole right. different breed than Ozzy like it's not to diminish either of them. They're just different. But I, well, I think that... I remember reading a lot about how it, they kind of their songwriting style changed a little bit when that happened too. Um, particularly because Ozzy, and I think this is really evident on like their early albums, like Paranoid, how Ozzy would just kind of his vocal melody a lot of the time would just kind of match the guitar melody. And if you look mm-hmm. at like Iron Man, it's like okay, yeah, that's. It does happen a lot. Where <laughs> Dio, Dio didn't really do that quite as much. So, yeah, he had. I mean, not to say that Ozzy's unskilled, but Dio was like, yeah, he 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 was like a singer. Yeah, I mean, you could slap seen... Dio in like a theater production, and it would just be like, oh, Dio was a theater kid. Um, you know, the the first Black Sabbath song I was ever introduced to was on the um, Wayne's World soundtrack. It's a sound, song called D. Uh, Time Machine from the Dehumanizer album. That's got oh. D on it. See, I my didn't... dad loves... I think that's Tony Martin who's singing on that one. Oh, my dad that... like likes a lot of that era of like Sabbath. I mean, my dad's been like a diehard forever, but like, you know, he didn't just fall off when like Ozzy quit or Slash got fired. But like, oh yeah, no, my dad... I I think the Dehumanizer, my dad's like, oh, you know what? That, that one's actually pretty good. I always liked that song, but I even when I got into Sabbath, I didn't like associate it as even the same band. I, I didn't, right? Didn't get it. Um, have either of you seen them live? No, sadly, no. I really no. wish that I had. But I've seen Ozzy, but not 
Black Sabbath. Okay. Because you just speaking about like singing styles. Yeah, uh, I I did go see them on the uh, Heaven and Hell tour back in like 2009 or 2008. Oh hell yeah! Which is like a couple of years before Dio died. I didn't realize, you know, I was like, oh yeah, you know, I'm just going to see Black Sabbath with Dio. He'll be around forever, right? Um, but yeah, I've seen Sabbath like a couple times during the like, their reunion tours, and I will say Ozzy is incredibly hit or miss live, especially as yeah. he's gotten older, like. <laughs> like they opened up with War Pigs, which is like I'm like, oh hell yeah, War Pigs, this rules, this is awesome. And like and then Ozzy's vocal comes in and it's like he's like a half step off. Oh no. <laughs> and it's Ew. just like he's trying. But yeah, especially a song like that. I mean, it kinda comes right out of the gate with like this kind of kinda hold this like higher note for a few for, for a bar or two and it's just like I don't know for somebody who's getting up there I could see how that could be difficult to continuously do like several times at the beginning of the song right yeah so they are, they're done done from what I'm looking at right now like I think Ozzy has like onset Parkinson's or something like that which is yeah that came out pretty recently but then Ozzy I mean he put out a solo album this year that I thought was really good yeah, I haven't really kept up with like the solo Ozzy stuff. I mean, obviously, I know some of like the, the Randy Rhodes material, like the big hits from that. But uh, he's only yeah, seventy-one. I would, I would heavily, That's... heavily recommend just like listening straight through the two Randy Rhodes albums because they are basically two perfect albums, in my opinion. Blizzard here, of Oz here. and Diary of a Madman. Yep, they're ac- absolutely excellent. Here, here. <laughs> There's well, good stuff uh, on the other ones, but it's it's like it's not the same, I guess. Well, yeah, it did I mean when did Randy Rhodes die? Eighty three. It was after Diary. It was during the tour for that. I think like the European tour. Yeah. And then they brought in some other dude for an album or two, and then Zach Wild came in, and he was the guitarist for a long time. Oh yeah, Zach Wild. I forgot about that dude. Yeah, like he was the guitarist for the No More Tears album, which was like his biggest like not not randy rhodes album although it was probably bigger than diary honestly but and zach was cool too but well let's uh it's not sad let's <laughs> no, no no i mean <laughs> let's uh let's go back then i guess to the beginning self-titled yeah they Hell do yeah. that thing that i love where it's black sabbath by black sabbath on the album black sabbath you don't see that a lot with the band's where it's like the triple name of the band, name of the song, name of the album. And I, I love yeah. that when that happens. And it's the first song on the album, so it's just like it's <laughs> coming out of the gate. Like, hello. Yeah, let's listen to that. already spooky oh yeah which like there was a bit of like a moral panic about this album when it came out too like you know oh yeah the devil and satan and satanic music well yeah i mean the opening notes are like a tritone which is like the devil's you know the, the, the devil's note that diminished fifth 
I feel like his vocal style almost changed between albums too, like like the like the timbre of his voice, like how yeah, yeah, a little bit of both. Like it almost it almost sounds like he has a little bit of cotton in his mouth when he's singing like this. Yeah, I definitely hear a little bit of a difference. It almost sounds like more like throaty, like deeper a little bit. Yeah. He was like, oh no, oh no. Oh, no. <laughs> so are you guys thoroughly spooked? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm very spooked. Yeah, the excrement came out of me. <laughs> Isn't it great not recording in the same room now? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Had to clean up my my chairs. I wish yeah. that like time was just no no object because I I look at the track listing of like self titled and I'm like man I wish that I, we could touch on like literally every single one of these because they're just they're all so good. Well, so this is this is the thought that I've been having because uh, I've been I've been kind of throwing like the first like seven or eight albums on shuffle and just kind of revisiting them all. Um, is is Black Sabbath like a prog slash like jam band almost? There's definitely like times where you kind of do get that jam band feel like it. It's it's bits and pieces, I think, especially on the early stuff. But like it, like if you yeah. take, for example, like like Wicked World, like that, the, the drums that uh that hi hat like is so like. Oh, man, is it? I don't think it's jazzy. Maybe it is. Uh, sometimes well, I we bring... can talk about the jazz influence too. <laughs> Def- yeah. Definitely, some of their their tracks are are pretty jazzy. Actually, yeah. Yeah, which I guess when you're talking about like the time, I mean, the first album was in 1970, so like they're not really too far removed from like these people growing up, like being influenced by like blues and jazz guitarists. Yeah. And oh, I there's. Think, I mean, the the Beatles were of, like you know big for the six years prior, but there's tons of blues influence here, but it's just you know ratcheted up in the spookiest way. <laughs> yeah, it's like take take this blue stuff and let's just uh, slap on a distortion pedal and turn it up. Well, a lot of it, like all the way. Well, a lot of it was done out of necessity. Like I don't know. I'm I'm assuming you guys know this, but like very famously, like on his last day of work at like a, a sheet metal factory or, or whatever, uh, the guitar player, Tony Iommi, sliced off the tips of two of his fingers and yeah. was like basically told I'm never going to play again. Uh, and then uh, the the story goes that someone showed him a record by Django Reinhardt, who is a like incredibly fast, like technically proficient jazz guitar player who basically only like two plays fingers, with right? two. I think so like, I think it was his pointer and his middle that still functioned. I think his two other fingers, he could kind of do chord shapes with them, but in, in terms of like scales and like dexterity, they were just kind of dead weight. 
And so I think he, like Tony Iommi fashioned up a couple like, almost like thimbles or like, you know, things to put at the tips of his fingers. And in order to play without it hurting, he down-tuned the strings. And then it just kind of happened to work that way that it sounded spookier because it was, I guess, lower and heavier. But it was also so his fingertips didn't hurt when he played. So it's like almost like he stumbled into creating metal. Yeah. I think I remember reading that at first before he had ones. Because um, if I remember correctly, it was his middle and ring fingers um, yeah, on so. his right hand. Because uh, I, I think he's a left-handed guitar player, if I remember he correctly. Is. Yep. Um, and I think I remember at first he actually did use like like sewing thimbles. Yeah. Um, to kind of try it out, if you will. I mean, you, you got to remember when this happened. It's not like he was. It's not like he was in a big band rolling in money or whatever. So use what you, you can, gotta, right? Yeah, you got to make do. Yeah, exactly. And no, yeah, that, that's it's really cool how it just kind of worked out that way, and it was just so like. Well, yep. <laughs> Congrats, you created metal. <laughs> Praise Satan. It but, is his uh, dark will. And they even have like a on the first album. I mean, they even have like harmonicas too. Like, I don't think of a harmonica as like a like a heavy metal or like a. I mean, like people would have thought back then, like this like satanic and like I think I I liken harmonicas to like well like folk music, right, or like country or something. But then you, I think it's is it or the blues? lizard. I think that has the harmonica. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was reading a, uh, Ozzy did a, and asked me anything on Reddit, like not long ago, like within the last few months, I think it was right after his last album came out and somebody was asking about that. And he was just kind of like, I don't even think I had ever played the harmonica before. I just was playing around <laughs> with it and just kind of went into the studio and just like, yeah, we'll just record it. Just play around. So I think, I think a lot of this was just kind of that way. Like they weren't like, they sat down and wrote this album for months, you know. It was just kind of a having fun, yeah. you know. I think a lot of the stuff on that first album was actually like recorded live. Like I don't think they really like multi-tracked it. I think they just got the band in the studio, mic'd everything up and said, "Okay, go." That's really cool. Yeah, they probably did like little like minimal stuff. Like they probably did the vocals separate, but other than that, and like maybe maybe right. some like a, uh, a couple like layers of guitars for like solos and stuff, but because I yeah. mean at least on Paranoid, like there's a lot of times where you can hear like three guitars during a solo. Uh, yeah. Sometimes at like different channels, you know, left and right, doing different things and stuff, and but I think I remember reading that too. Yeah. Well, it's like back in the day, a lot of those studios. I mean they were pretty limited in terms of like technology and like multi-track recording, which is kind of a miracle that some of the stuff that came out during that era still holds up as well as it does. Like, I mean, you know, Black Sabbath is like the inventor of like heavy metal and all that, but like you listen to some of the, you know, either on CD or on on vinyl, I guess it might sound better on vinyl, but like, you know, you can kind of hear some of the tape hiss and like the, the distortion on his guitar is like pretty primitive for its time. But yeah, that's another thing worth taking into account, though. Yeah, I mean, because it was all tape back then and tape is expensive. Yes. So a lot of the times you'll run into situations where like uh, you kind of think about how music now. I mean, you'll hear a lot of older people talking like usually complaining, but about like (laughs) too perfect and too overproduced music is nowadays. But and like when you look at like music back then, like because they were on tape and tape was expensive. If you have like a guitarist or a drummer or 
whatever doing like like recording a take and if there's like little bits and pieces that like aren't perfect it's like well the rest of it was like close enough we don't want to have to waste more tape by doing another take so you end up with songs that have these little like imperfections in them which i personally like i think it gives it character and flavor you know but um yeah i i think you run into a lot of stuff back then especially back then as you start going into like the 2000s and moving away from tape you kind of see that less and less well yeah i guess i was i was reading a little bit and by that i mean skimming the wikipedia page but uh it did say at one point that like tony iomi so speaking of like the jazz influence, the guitar player Tony Iommi uh, briefly played with um, Jethro Tull, and I guess what he learned from Jethro Tull was to um, like actually get up in the morning and like rehearse and be like function as a band essentially, and not just you know sleep until noon. It's like oh, all right, let's go to the gig like that you know that sort of mentality, and so that in combination with like yeah recording studios back in the day everything's on tape every you know mistakes are costly it forced them to be more tight as a band and like focus on like actual songwriting and composition and like like different you know interludes and different things like that and it's like i i do think there is something to that about like more modern bands like being studio bands like being bands that are good at making singles and, and EPs. And then it's like, you see them live and it's like, Oh, you're just like playing the track on your computer because this whole song was made with a computer and no one can actually like perform it live. And I, I don't know. I, I think for a while I pushed back against that just like, Oh, I don't know. Just let people like music. But I do think there is something to it. I I think there is something to like musicians today, not, really caring as much about production as much as like, okay, this can be used in the next Ford commercial. So we have to pump <laughs> something out. <laughs> yeah. And I think that, I think that cause does also sort of depend on like genre specifically. Oh yeah. If you start, I mean, if you look at things like, uh, I always use this as the example, but if you look at like local, like, kind of like rock punk emo scenes like i don't really think you see that a lot um but if you look at like stuff like billy eilish yeah as to pull a popular example because i think i remember seeing that like that album was recorded pretty much just like i don't want to misspeak i feel like i remember reading that it was recorded pretty much at their house like on a laptop it was, like, they yeah, had it was like billy recording eilish equipment her for brother sure, for like vocals and stuff but yeah i i would yeah I would argue, I don't know, I, I think her live show is somewhat musically performed. And I do think her and her brother have, like, a pretty good sense of, like, production. But I, but I, I totally understand what you're saying. Yeah, and, it's like, and I yeah, don't, it's I don't mean a... that to be a dig at all. <laughs> like, I've, I've listened to that album, and I thought it was a pretty enjoyable listen. I, it's just the style, you know? That's just Right. It's just different, you know? Yeah, I've seen jokes about, like, the Black Keys write music for like Chevy commercials, <laughs> like <laughs> which like you know Blackies are not really my cup of tea, but I don't doubt their talent. But it is kind of funny. It's like, yeah, I do hear a lot of like generic blues rock songs for the next like 
Fourth of July Ford yeah. sales event. <laughs> like, <laughs> are you telling me that when you hear the riff to Lonely Boy, you don't think of the annual Chevy dealership sale and a commercial <laughs> of like a truck like going through some muddy hills? <laughs> well, we talked a bit about their jazz stuff and their jazz influences, and let's uh, let's jump into a song that I think both of you mentioned in our chat separately, which uh, I think is a song that is massively overlooked um, in, in... I'm trying to type and speak at the same time. Uh, it's, it's a song that is overlooked and is famously covered by um, Pantera, I think. I think Pantera did a version of this. Uh, I'm talking about the third track on Paranoid, Planet Caravan. Got your little uh your little bongos. Yeah, those vocal effects are super cool. If I didn't know this was Ozzy, I wouldn't guess it was Ozzy. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Nor would I guess this is Black Sabbath if I didn't know it was Black Sabbath. Yeah, this song is sandwiched like in between Paranoid and Iron Man. I really love how like simple these songs were back then because this is really just like bouncing between two two like root chords. It's really all it is. Like you take out all the oh, yeah, it's... and stuff, and it's just stripped down. It's really simple. <clears throat> Which kind of makes me think are they they have like these jazz band or not jazz band jam band sort of like aesthetics like they're just kind of vamping on a couple chords yeah they're like oh yeah that one sounds good oh that one sounds good too but go but go back to that other one yeah let's just do that for for four minutes yeah just make sure to throw in some little like bass licks in the transition you know and I think that's flute that's kind of bouncing around, because I know Tanuyaomi plays flute. I think he, I think he, oh, I'm trying to think of the other Black Sabbath song where he plays flute on it, but I I believe there's like at least one or two. Oh, the song Solitude on uh, Master of Reality, another yes. sort of jazz. I just listened to that today. Oh, I love that song. That that one and this so- one sound like they're from the same band. It is wild that that song happens between Paranoid and Iron Man, two of like the biggest songs ever recorded and written and like put to like every single thing you could imagine in every TV show and movie. And there's this nestled in between those two songs is this little jazz number that's like, I don't know. I, I feel like Tony Iommi is like, yeah, the godfather of metal, but it's like, dude also knew how to do other stuff. So let's jump ahead a little bit to uh, Master of Reality, which I think, I think Master of, well, okay, so Paranoid was like a huge, 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 huge album for them, which I don't know if you guys knew the, know the story, but like the actual song Paranoid was written rather hastily. It wasn't it like right towards the end of like the whole recording process? Yeah, I think it was basically like, 
uh, you guys need a single, not enough songs for the album, and... <laughs> Can so you they please just, just, like, shit out a two-minute single for us? And they're like, yeah, we'll just casually write one of, like, the greatest, like, classic rock songs of all time. <laughs> I mean, well, really, it's like, it's, al- like, it's like the one, like, guitar riff, and then just, like, a couple chords. It's It's so simple. Yeah. Which, like, wasn't even what they wanted the album to be called or to be, like, I guess the theme. Like, it was the album Warpigs, was supposed wasn't it? To... Yeah. And it was supposed to be this anti Vietnam War album. And, uh, yeah, even like the album cover reflects that. But they're like, no, 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 no. We want to sell records here. We can't, you know, can't get all political on us. And so, <laughs> and yeah. so, yeah. I mean, Warbigs is still the first song on the album, but yeah, they, everything else about it was changed. Paranoid became like the thing, and it was just the song that they, yeah, shat out in like an hour, recorded it, and it became like, it basically put them as like a household name. Yeah. When yeah, record... Master of Reality, I think, is, uh, that's also where my knowledge or just my familiarity with the music starts going down. Like, I, I do know selective songs. Like, I know Sweet Leaf is like a great killer opener that I really love a lot. <laughs> yeah. But uh, what were we going to say, Ben? I was going to say that's that's sort of an example of when record company interference goes right. Yeah, honestly. It's like <laughs> sometimes the suits know what's up, I guess. <laughs> it's like trust us, we know what these kids are going to be into. Okay, so your your uh familiarity kind of leaves with Master of Reality? Uh Master of Reality and Volume 4. Uh, yeah, those are the two albums where I have, like, like, I've listened through them several times before here and there throughout the years, but, like, compared to Black Sabbath and Paranoid, which are both just, like, basically front to back and grained in my head, it, <laughs> yeah. it, it definitely takes a, a hit down. Or, like, when you, like, I didn't even think of Solitude, for example, when you were talking about the flute, whereas before I would have been like, oh, yeah, 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 like, I totally had forgotten that that song existed until then. I think it's because yeah. usually if I if I want Ozzy and I'm not listening to those two Black Sabbath albums, I jump to Ozzy albums. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I think that's uh, yeah. I think uh, the the opening cough on Sweet Leaf is Tony Iommi. Tony Iommi. It says during the album's recording sessions, Osborne brought Iommi a large joint, which caused the guitars to cough uncontrollably. <laughs> That's probably uh, what was, Sweet Leaf is. Yeah. Iomi was recording acoustic guitar parts at the time, and his coughing fit was captured on tape. <laughs> so it's just, you know, Ozzy Osbourne passes you the boof. What do you do? And then create the intro to Sweet Leaf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. I didn't know that. That definitely tracks. Ozzy, the, like, walking human Petri dish of... <laughs> Every chemical Somehow to ever be ingested in the human body. Well, I feel like I, I read somewhere or I heard somewhere that, like, it's something about Ozzy's immune system that basically he has just a super high tolerance. And so it's like he can just shovel this shit in his body and be fine. Didn't but they, like, like, do, like, genome analysis on Ozzy because they were so, like, curious? Like, that was, like, ten years ago, I think, that they were just like, how are you still alive? <laughs> you should technically... Kind of like Keith Richards. Yeah. Sounds familiar. 
<laughs> well, it's like you know, at, for, I don't know, I don't know why. Like, the, I, I guess he, I guess he's like an interesting dude, but like, yeah, it's like years after like Black Sabbath was more or less, you know, done. They're like, yeah, let's make a reality show about Ozzy, <laughs> and then it's just like you listen to the man speak, and it, it's just it's it's garbled. It's it's, it's nothing. Yeah. Let's listen to him speak. Oh, okay, hold on. Let me see if I <laughs> let me see if I can. All right, we're Just gonna test t- out. Take this a bot. Osborne's clip and throw it in, into Hydra. Sharon. Hello, mummy. Hi, darling. Listen, you gotta have a talk to Kelly for me. Go on. Because uh, it's unacceptable that she walks around the LA with a knuckle saying a note. Exactly right. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. Okay, I'll talk to Kelly. Why, why, why don't you just buy a pair of drawers and let her walk around? Another thing I noticed about like some of these recordings is that Ozzy very, very seldomly, if at all, does any sort of harmonizing. And oh, I don't and know if that's like, like I don't know if that's an intentional choice or he literally doesn't know how to do it. Which I'm I'm sort of leaning towards that one. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about the dude who just sings riff melodies, so. Well, yeah, yeah. I'm gl- okay, I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's what I think. Like literally, Tony Iommi is like the heart and soul of this band because I think Geezer developed such an interesting bass style because he was following Tony, like his guitar licks. He would like watch where he's at at the neck, what riff he's doing, and he'd like do a similar riff. And it's like Ozzy's vocals are all like based on the guitar, so it's like you know when when all the other band members dropped. And it's like, there's Tony Iommi, and it's like 1995, and it's literally, he's the only one left, and he's still making Black Sabbath records. It's like, yeah, he's just a riff machine. But yeah, I, Ozzy's You know, I kind of forgot that there were actually albums that didn't have Ozzy or Dio on them, at least. Because they had, yeah, they had other singers, didn't they? Oh, they like, had a few. Little in between, you know. I mean, Dio and Ozzy were the two long-tenured ones, but... Well, Dio actually came back after, so like Dio did those two albums, and then he left, and then he came back for Dehumanizer in 1992. Oh, wait, uh, Ben, is that the the song that you said was in Wayne's World? Yeah, Time Machine. Oh, so that might have been actually Dio at the time. Uh, Yeah, looking at the wiki article... Oh, I'm sorry. No, I was looking at the wrong album. Um, yeah, no, Ronnie James Dio on Dehumanizer. Yep. Didn't they also make a separate band called Heaven and Hell at one point? That was like, all right, this is the Dio Sabbath. Yeah, I want to say that was when Black Sabbath, like the original group, had reformed and was doing. The, and this is in like the 2000s, you know, I think. Re- yeah, uh, reunion tours. But then they also wanted to play with Dio, so there's two bands. Okay, yeah, yeah, looking at it, it was 2006 to 10. So, yeah, it was like, yeah, yeah, we're going to get the, not, I guess not the OG gang, but the Dio gang back together. Yeah, when uh, when Black Sabbath originally reunited in, like, 1998, my dad wanted to take me to go see him, which I would have been, like, eight years old, nine years old at the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my dad went to see him twice at Van Andel, like, back-to-back. Like, he bought... Because, you know, he'd been a fan since, you know, 1974 or whatever. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't think that would have been a good 
probably not a great experience for a, a nine-year-old. One probably would have hurt my hearing, and also like I've seen like vi- I've seen videos of like uh, the the live release of the reunion where like they uh, they put out like an entire concert and they get to the song dirty women and ozzy's just encouraging all the girls in the crowd to like lift up their shirts and like sure enough you watch the video and it's uh, it's like i don't know did you guys get like releases to do all that i mean i got i don't know but it, it was kind of funny is like my dad's like yeah i'm gonna take my nine-year-old to this this seems like a good uh a good decision Yes, I I know I would have hated that as a nine-year-old boy. <laughs> I don't even think when I was nine, I was even really listening to music as a thing to do. So, Yeah, I was probably listening to like the SpongeBob soundtrack or something. It, I I was like the, the act, like the textbook example of me getting into music was me as a 12-year-old finding my brother's Linkin Park Hybrid Theory CD. <laughs> <laughs> and listening to it in my room and being like, oh my god, this is so cool. And then I pivoted oh, from really that, because I, I had a friend, my neighbor uh, Bobby back then, who got me like playing guitar and stuff. And so I pivoted from Linkin Park to his favorite bands, which was like Kiss, Judas Priest, Black Sabbath. He like pulled me oh, okay. way back into like the 70s. Uh, yeah, but I, I yeah I do remember seeing the Heaven and Hell show in Detroit, and that was that was pretty rad. I also know that like, I think Ozzy's wife is like the manager of I guess the Black Sabbath brand, and I think I think she, she can... manages like basically anything Ozzy related. I think Ozfest even was all like her. Yeah, and the most recent reunion tour from like twenty, I don't know thirteen to like 2017 that they did like the original drummer bill ward wasn't involved and i I believe from what i heard it was um it was in part a dispute with sharon osborne or i don't know if it was like how the the payments were doled out or what but yeah they i think they got brad wilk who was like from uh rage against the machine on drums for him so it was like the original three and then brad wilk from rage against the machine which I mean, Brad Wilkes also a hell of a drummer. It's just kind of oh, like out of left field thing. Like three old guys, and then like just a super young, energetic drummer playing his ass off. Well, young compared to them, anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I guess point. he probably was like in his like upper forties at that time, right? Man, or that's weird to like think that. about. Like the guys from Rage Against the Machine pushing fifty. They're still raging, though. Oh yeah, they'll never well, stop. The machine still chugs along. <laughs> Yeah, let's talk about the efficacy of raging against the machine. The machine will always chug along. Hint, it's very ethical to rage against the machine. <laughs> if, if somewhat futile. <laughs> it may be futile. It is the only ethical choice. <laughs> uh, let's, throw, let's throw another clip. Um, what are you guys thinking? So you said you're not super familiar with... Okay, so that's kind of yeah, where so you're... Yeah, maybe with something good, yeah. Uh, 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 other Ben... How familiar are you with like the Ozzy era material? Um, is about the same as Ben. Like I, I know uh, some of the songs off of Master of Reality. I just listened to the whole thing uh, a little bit ago, but you know, <clears throat> uh, uh, my band covered Sweet Leaf for a 420 show at Craft oh. Balance. <laughs> Hell yeah, that rules. It was, and actually, we, we, we spliced in uh, one toke over the line in the middle of it 
because it seemed thematically appropriate. <laughs> but it, they really don't go that well together as a mashup. Damn it, you, you tried. We did, yeah. It, it actually kind of fell apart on stage, not going to lie. But we nailed it in rehearsal several times. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess my own technical ecstasy, I don't really know that much off of. And I don't really know much off of Never Say Die, which are like the last two albums they did before Ozzy got kicked out. But like, I don't know, Sabbath Bloody Sabbath is like, that riff is like incredible. Which um, apparently they were kind of in, in a, a writer's block situation. Like they had released four albums pretty much back to back to back. And they just didn't know what to do next. And then I guess uh, he just hit him with the Sabbath Bloody Sabbath riff and then like the rest of the album just kind of poured out of him. And uh, I think that, I don't know, I think that's a good one to jump into. Yeah, let's do Sabbath Bloody Sabbath. Because this, by, this by also... By you too, right? By you. Yes. Oh, wait. Okay. Wrong, wrong, something, bloody something. <laughs> Yeah, it's like instead of doing harmonies, they just kind of like doubled his vocal track, add a little bit of like slapback to it. Man, I don't know what what which song it was, but the main riff reminds me so much of like a Mega Man soundtrack song. <laughs> Okay, so I got something for you now. I'm going to play you the same song as done by a bluegrass group, and uh, I'll show you what Ozzy could have sounded like had he had harmony vocals with him. I kind of hate how much I really dig these bluegrass covers. A this, lot of the time, they've done so well. Oh yeah, it's like it turns this hard rock song into like something kind of pretty.
I don't know. I I think that's a really good take on that song. No, that was really cool. Yeah, it sounds good. I did. I don't know if that would go so well on the original recording. <laughs> no, maybe not. Although I was I was noticing, and this is something I've always kind of wondered. Do you think that Ozzy's lyrics are or vocals are pretty much always doubled? It does. I mean, maybe not in the early days, uh, but it it certainly does sound like that in later era stuff and i think it is because there's not really any sort of like harmony vocals or like anything else going on wasn't was was it paul mccartney or john lennon who famously like hated the sound of his own voice and like wouldn't record or like he wouldn't listen unless it had that sort of like doubling effect to like i think i think it was lennon yeah i feel like it might be a similar situation there where it's like they just they just kind of slap that on it's like oh yeah that's the ozzy filter I mean, it, that sounds like a John Lennon thing anyway. He's kind of a jackass. Yeah, I think you're right. I think on the early stuff, like on first album, I don't think his vocals are doubled at all. But when you think about like the production value and like how much time and tape they had for that album, it doesn't really surprise me. Yeah, that right. I don't think it really hurts it either. I, I, I no. love that album. But yeah, I think once they got more in the studio and like they they developed, I guess, like as a band, but also it was like, oh, okay. This is like a tried and true thing. You guys release an album. It makes money. It's successful. It's like you have kind of more freedom in the studio to get more experimental, which they yeah, certainly sure. did. Like, I think after pretty much after Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, um, they added um, his name's like Jeff something. Uh, where'd he go? He was basically like their producer, but I think also like a keyboard player. And so, yeah, Jeff Nichols. And he was like, yeah, they, they started adding a lot more like synthesizers and keyboards and like more experimental stuff, which like, I don't know, I guess as a band playing for nearly a decade, like I'd want to probably try out other things. Right. But if you're, if you're used to like the first four albums and then it's like, what's this piano? Yeah, especially when they were essentially, as far as the instruments go, they're basically a three piece. I mean, Ozzy, I don't. I don't think I've ever even seen a picture of Ozzy holding a guitar. No, he plays harmonica. <laughs> <laughs> I guess one of their big yeah. hits is more of a piano ballad in uh, Changes. Oh, that's true. That, that's off of uh, number four, right? Yeah. Black Sabbath the musical. <laughs> he might be starring the Parchment High School players. <laughs> the Parchment High School players. Just a single spotlight on him. How can we make this as bad as possible? Who's playing the piano? Is it Lynn Manuel Miranda? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> nope, no harmony, just doubling. That's gotta be doubled. It's oh, oh it's so doubled. Drenched in reverb.
Yeah, volume four is pretty solid. Like, it, it's a bit of a departure from their first three, but uh, the song Wheels of Confusion slaps hard. Uh, Supernaut might be, like, top three favorite Black Sabbath songs ever. <laughs> Yeah, there's like whatever uh, 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 Tony or Geezer does with like the bass effect. It's like this like womp womp sound, and it's like it's so cool how they do it. I'm I, I don't know. Ooh, I would love some, this sound. There's some neat guitar harmonies going on. Oh yeah, that little lick right there. I don't know. It's like my favorite part of the whole song. Are you talking about the last one or like the palm mutes at the beginning of this riff? Yeah, like the little palm mutes. Yeah. It's really, really good flavor. And I think it's because Geezer's underneath doing like the same thing on the bass, so it just has this like fatness to it. Yeah, it sounds like he like slides up when they're doing the palm mutes. I love the double time hi hat stuff going on. Oh, yeah. I'd give I'd give volume four definitely like a second, you know, pass through. Yeah, I think really I think tomorrow when I'm working, I'm just gonna like go through and I might just go through all the Ozzy albums, honestly. I've got yeah, time during the workday. Yeah, they're definitely worth it. Because well, I'm really interested to see like uh like like you said uh about uh technical ecstasy like not being quite as like well received. I'm kind of interested to see how and like never say die, like how those turned out. Yeah, it, you know, it might have been weird at the time, but then like upon a second, yeah, oh my god, like he looked like the Rolling Stone album guide gives it like two stars. All music has it at two stars, which it it could literally just be like this is different and we don't like it. And then like years later, you kind of give it another pass through, and you're like, oh wait, like this is actually really interesting what they were doing and what they were trying to go for. And it was like maybe I guess ahead of its time for its time. Well, we're at we're at about an hour. Um, you guys have any closing thoughts? Any uh, anything else you want to say about the spookiest band? Well, I guess the 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 grandfathers of spooky bands that laid the groundwork for <laughs> all of the other spooky bands that came after them. Yeah, there's some spooky bands now. It's definitely, I I I think that. I've said this before. I know, I know, Nick, I've said this to you at least, but I think the longer time goes on, I think the more and more that I just absolutely love Geezer Butler. <laughs> the more I listen to Sabbath, the more I'm just like, man, this, this bass line is just so good. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking that actually too, as I was uh, driving around earlier today, listening to some, I was listening to Paranoid and, and Master of Reality and, I think that I didn't really ever put it together, but I think a lot of my own my own bass like inspiration came from Geezer's playing and sort of like the space that he worked in while uh, Tony Iommi was soloing uh, his, his sort of uh, root fifth octave playground that he would do <laughs> underneath the solos it right. has has like a lot to do uh, with uh, my own sort of 
uh, improvisational jumping points. Oh yeah. Yeah. As a, like, I, I mean, so I, I never, I learned to play guitar like when I was a teenager and like I can play bass like well enough to like jam around on, but like never really learned and never really owned one. But like, so I think, I think when I first heard this like years ago, like, you know, 13 years ago, learning guitar and learning, learning like the, you know, the, the popular riffs like Paranoid and Iron Man and whatever, I never really thought about it much, you know, back then. And now when I go back and listen to it and I'll be, you know, listening to like towards the end of like, you know, War Pigs or Iron Man or like one of the parts where like Iomi is just kind of soloing. And I'm like, you know, now I'm actually paying attention to what Geezer is like doing underneath on the low end. And like there are times where he's just like walking along like this, like. uh, Just just like walking along through the bass notes and it's just like so good. It's like he's not just like he's not sitting there bored for sure, you know. Yeah, he, no, he sort of no. uh, plays bass like a lead guitar in some ways, and I think yeah, there have been like a few times where like <laughs> when I was in high school, I had to fill in on bass like in the in the church praise band, and like you know the, the church praise bands tend to be just like okay, I can teach you these root notes and teach you where they are on the fretboard, and like that's that's the extent of what you're gonna do. So it's just bum 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 and like coming from like a guitar player's background i had the most fun playing bass because i would know where the root notes are but like i would yeah i would try to do my best geezer butler and just like fly up and down the fretboard (laughs) and it it wasn't any sort of like like, play with the scale you know and if it doesn't work i don't know you just move on to the next note i guess (laughs) right (laughs) if you're quick enough just like quick, like slide it up one fret if you're off. Yeah, it's just and a it'll, grace it'll, note. It'll, it'll grace seem note, like so. it's uh, on purpose. <laughs> yeah. So my my final thoughts are definitely revisit uh, a lot of the early Sabbath stuff. You know, make make it part of your Halloween tradition, especially like the first album. Like, I don't know, get some get some black lights, uh, get some hookah or you know smoke whatever you want. I guess. Do you have any other, like, uh, I I know this has been primarily Sabbath, but since we're talking about spooky, other, like, bands that you associate with, like, uh, spooky season to kind of, uh, you know, spend some time with? Oh, man. Oh, man. I gotta gotta think about that one, because, like, I know there's definitely bands that are like that. Do you have, does does something come to your mind? Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, (laughs) I am a big fan of Danzig's first album. Okay, I've never really gotten um, into Danzig. Yeah, I, I, I see. I have only really listened to Danzig. I never really listened to like Misfits or you know any of Glenn Danzig's other stuff. But my uncle gave me Danzig's first CD back in like two thousand six or seven or something. Yeah, and it's pretty much just like it's a really short album. It's only like forty minutes long. It's from like eighty eight, and it's it kind of reminds me of like that simple like early Sabbath type like doom rock kind of um okay it's just it's just you know replace it with like just imagine evil elvis is singing basically (laughs) and it's it's so good it's like front to back awesome and it's really it's got a lot of that kind of haunting like cool guitar sounds and riffs and stuff it's a really cool album especially i mean the album's got that classic like danzig horned skull on it i mean it just screams like halloween uh yeah, I'm trying to think of like spooky music or like spooky bands and I'm trying not to just revert back to like 
heavy music because like i think what black sabbath did was heavy music but also like thematically and lyrically it was like spookier and so i guess the first thing i think of and this is like a thing that my dad used to do um around halloween time uh some of the early 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 like pink floyd is is kind of spooky like if you've ever heard of the album umaguma there's like sure uh, yeah the song like be careful with that axe eugene Mm -hmm. is just like this very slow creeping like building 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 and then you just there's like a blood curdling scream and then they just start jamming and it's freaking out like the last song on umaguma uh my dad had a, like a pretty big speaker system he still does it still works um but uh the, one of the songs on umaguma is like several species of small furry animals like gathered oh, yeah. in a cave and that was it was like all just like vocal effects like they would just like ah ooh ee like they do that kind of stuff and they just bounce it around in like the the um like the stereo field and like that was just you know we shut the lights off and put that on. So some of those early Pink Floyd albums, be careful with that Axe Eugene is absolutely like a per- like add that to your Halloween playlist. Sure, I've, sure, de- yeah. I've definitely had some weird experiences with that that last track, uh, the small <laughs> furry animals. Like I think it's Roger Waters at the end who's just like he's like a caveman, but he's just shouting in like completely incomprehensible Scottish. Yeah, <laughs> it's so good. Oh, you know what? I don't know. I can't believe I didn't think of this either. But like, like there's a lot of Alice Cooper albums that totally. Oh my god! Like Welcome yes. to My Nightmare. Sure. Like Alice Cooper goes Ooh. to hell. Yeah, Welcome to My Nightmare is perfect. Yeah, that's so the good. The Ballad of Dude, Dwight Fry. I love Alice Cooper. <laughs> Especially early, like, sev- like 70s Alice Cooper. But I, I have, I have love for, like, some of the 90s and 80s stuff, too. But, like, Billion yeah. Dollar Babies and, like, Welcome to My Nightmare and Goes to Hell. Yeah, well, Welcome to My Nightmare, doesn't that have uh, uh, Vincent Price is on one of those songs, I believe? 
I don't remember. I don't know that. I know that Welcome to My Nightmare was the first album where Alice Cooper was no longer a band, but was the man. The yeah. artist formerly known as Vincent Fernier. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I can't believe I forgot about Alice Cooper. I've seen him. But his. Have you ever seen him live? I wish. No, I haven't. Oh, man. He had an album not too recently that was actually pretty good, too. Uh, I, guess, okay, I guess it was three years ago now, but I enjoyed it. My introduction to Alice Cooper was the Wayne's World soundtrack, <laughs> in, 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 in which he performed "Feed My Frankenstein." Yeah, I mean that was '90s stuff, but I, I I really like that song. I think that's that's I mean that's that screams Halloween. I just watched Wayne's World just like last week or maybe two weeks ago. It was so good. I need to jump and back sex. into those movies. I think it's about sex too. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, I, I saw think Frankenstein's um, what he calls his penis. <laughs> Sorry, no, it's it's Frankenstein's monster's penis. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's Frankenstein. 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 So for my for my part for spooky album, I would recommend uh, it's a Canadian band called The Darkest of the Hillside Thickets. Ooh. And the record is uh, The Shadow Out of Tim. It's very out of Tim. Um, yeah. Like it's there very, are those who call him Tim. Yeah. It's very uh, Lovecraftian, uh, nameless horror. It, I highly recommend it. Hell yeah! Kinda like like uh, Sabbath and Foo Fighters had a a baby that was raised on Lovecraft. You Shit. had me at Foo Fighters. <laughs> yeah, that sounds really interesting. Check yeah, it out, really. boyos. Yeah, I'll throw that in the episode description if anyone looks at those. I'll have, to, I'll have to listen back when I'm editing this and like make detailed notes about everything that we recommend. Yeah. Well, uh, I want to thank you guys for coming and hanging out and talking about some music, talking about some Black Sabbath. Um, I'm probably going to drop this sooner than later, so I guess if, you, if, you're real, if you're a real Halloween junkie, you can hold off, but uh, yeah, this one's probably going to come out pretty soon. But yeah, <laughs> thanks for hanging out and talking about Black Sabbath with me. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yes, if you make it this far into the podcast and decide you want to wait till Halloween to listen to it, go ahead and wait. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'll just add on a bunch of dead space at the end of the episode. (laughs) Now that you've listened to it, wait till Halloween to listen to it. (laughs) Yeah, I guess guess we could have said that at the very beginning, huh? (laughs) Oh, well. (laughs) Uh, Well, yeah, thanks, thanks everybody, for listening to the show. Uh, My name is Nick Lancaster, and today I am joined by... Ben Duffy, first. yeah, and Benjamin Campbell. I'm the or I'm the the cream filling on a on a Ben Oreo. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We will see you on side B.